So if I was to ask you what you would think you need to do to grow closer to someone in your life, it might be first, oh, we just need to spend time together. We need to spend more time together. Well, Charlie and I, we, we actually spend most evenings together, but we're like next to each other on the couch binge watching some show. We're, not we're together, but we're not necessarily growing closer. So maybe you would think, oh, we need to do something together. So spring break, we went down to see my parents in Tampa, Florida, and there was this box on the floor just prepared for us that was a ceiling fan. So I don't know how things work in your house when you and your spouse get together to do projects, but let's just say that we were together. We were doing something together, but there was like 16 gajillion moments of irritation, and while we were together, there was very little growing us closer. In both of these instances, we were together, but what was missing was talking and communicating. There might have been some body language, but there was not talking. As people, as people of faith, we've made this commitment, and, and you all especially have made this commitment because you showed up here to worship today, and that is, you know, this relationship with God, I want to grow it. I don't want it to be the same this Easter as it was last Easter. In order to grow in our relationship with God, the best way to do that is just to talk to God, to communicate with God. And so I want to ask all of us, how are we doing with this most important element of growing in our relationship with God? When was the last time we checked our status with God? When was the last time we had this one-on-one, -on -one, device-free, focused conversation with God and we allowed for God to respond? I'm really good at talking to God, but taking that time and in God's time to just listen. One of my seminary professors, Roberta Bondi, said prayer is like this. Prayer is just a shared life with God. Sharing, mutual. But who is, well, I think most of us in here, we actually get that. We get that prayer is talking with God. Most of us would be able to explain it to somebody that doesn't know God. But what I'm curious about, what I want us to focus on this morning, is what type of God is it that we pray to? And when we pray, what are the things that we ask for or that we tell God about? To help us with that, we're going to continue in our Gospel of Luke, chapter 18. Before we read that, will you pray with me? Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, oh God, may they be pleasing and acceptable to you. And even if they are not pleasing and acceptable to you, may we receive your grace. Abundant. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Jesus is talking to his disciples. Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray and not to lose heart. He said, in a certain city, there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city, there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, grant me justice against my opponent. For a while, he refused, but later he said to himself, though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice 
so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. And the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? I tell you, he will quickly grant justice to them. And yet when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This isn't the first time in Luke that Jesus has tried to instruct the disciples or crowds of people on this thing of prayer. Early on in the gospel, he tells them they need to pray for their enemies, for those that abuse them. Later in the Sermon on the Plain, he shares with them, this then is how you ought to pray, and he shares the Lord's Prayer. Additionally, his disciples have seen up to this point in Luke 18, they have seen him five times kind of disappear and go away by himself with God to pray. I love how this passage starts. Then Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray. He assumptive closes that. All of us need to pray because all of us have a need that only God can meet. And this is the first step to growing in our relationship with God, admitting we have needs that only can be met by God. I wish sometimes I could rewrite this parable and that the parable, the, the, the central person, was a person kind of like all of us, just an overall good person trying to live their best life, but just had this one small request. But the person in the parable who persists with her requests over and over before the judge is a widow. Widows in first century Israel, they would have been wholly dependent on others Unless maybe they had family or a community or an advocate. But notice in our parable, the widow keeps coming before the unjust judge over and over all by herself. She has no advocate. She has no family. She has no faith community to rally around her. She is alone. Now, I know some of you might not be in that place right now, but all of us have been in a place of feeling utterly alone. In that place, Jesus says, persist, seek. We have all been there. And Jesus knows humans. Jesus knows long before texting was invented that when we say a prayer, when we persist, not only do we want it to come back, the answer to come back real clear, real concise, like maybe even in a spreadsheet, but we want it to be in our time. Jesus is giving us this, this inside hint to a relationship with God. It requires persistence. He modeled it. He kept going back. God in the flesh kept going back time after time to spend with God. In the parable, Jesus uses a person described as this, as the one who was hearing the requests. Unjust, didn't fear God, and had no respect for anyone. Why in the world would Jesus use such a deplorable human? I mean, isn't that supposed to be the one that we compare to God? Quite the opposite. 
You see, Jesus uses the unjust judge intentionally. If the person who you would not expect to care at all about anyone, especially a powerless widow, if that type of person will react to persistence, how much more would the God that we know is loving react to us? You see, Jesus wants to be sure the disciples knew then and that we know now God is for you. God deeply cares about each of us, and God wants to help. I think that most of us in this space and those that hear this message, we agree with that up here. We agree, yes, this is a God wants to help people. God wants to help the world. But something I also, I know to be true, because I have heard so many of you say this, is that while I might have things that God could help me with, who am I to ask when there is people who need so much more? How can I possibly spend time asking God to help me and my family get along when there are millions of Ukrainians and Africans and Latinos who have no place to live right now? It almost feels selfish to ask God to help me with my knee pain when I know that one of my friends just got diagnosed with a terminal disease. Notice in our text, though, Jesus doesn't tell us the details of what the widow needs. This is what she asks for, justice against her opponent. The unjust judge does not look at her and say, well, now listen here, you might have a problem, but so-and-so over there, that person has a lot bigger problems than you, and I really need to focus my attention on that. This is what the scripture says. And will not God grant justice to his chosen ones who cry to him day and night? Will he delay long in helping them? Friends, this is what we see over and over in the gospels. The God who we pray to is a God who is concerned about justice day and night. The God who we pray to is a God who is concerned about those who cry out to him day and night. The God whom we pray to wants to help us. We must first admit that we have needs that only God can meet. And we must come before God and persist over and over. But keeping in mind what those prayers are for because our God is not a vending machine. You don't just put in a certain amount of money and get that really good snack. Talking with God is not talking with Santa. As long as you make the nice list, you get what you want. Praying with God is not like talking with a family member or friend that you just see at a funeral or a wedding. And praying and communicating with God is certainly not like a genie in a bottle that you just come to when you need something. The widow persists before the unjust judge and asks for one thing over and over and over. It's just justice. About 16 years ago, I was picked up from my office by an elder. Her name was Jean Baird, and we were going to go serve at-home communion. I got in the car, and I'm expecting this to be just another time of going to be with someone, honestly, that I thought would be old, and we were just going to sit there and have a lovely conversation. And on our way, she says, I hope you know 
that the person we're going to serve, she has ALS, and so she's not going to be able to communicate quite as, as good as you might expect. And I'm like, okay, I've got this. I'm greeted at the door by this middle-aged, energetic man, and I assume it must be her son. And I walk into the room, and there is Carol, but Carol's only 52. She's already in a wheelchair. She already has the machine hooked up to make her lungs expand so she can breathe. And that, that energetic man, that was her husband. And so I sat there and we communicated and talked and we shared in Holy Communion. And I prayed for them. And I came out to the car. And I looked at Jean and I said, I don't ever want to do that again. I don't ever want to go back there. I'm so glad that I only have to do this maybe once a year with that family. She looked at me and she said, that is exactly why you are going to go back. I sat in the passenger seat and I cried. I didn't want to persist because I knew in that relationship what I was signing up for was just heartache. It was just heartbreak. It was suffering. And Jean said, oh, but you made a connection with Carol and with Jerry. You are the one that needs to go back. I said, but there is nothing that I have to offer. What in the world am I supposed to sit and pray with this couple for? She said, that's it. You just continue to pray with them. It's not that all depends on the one that prays, but all depends on the one to whom the prayers are offered. May it be so in my life and in yours.